Hello and shalom. Welcome to this episode of Image Bearers Radio. I'm your host, Joe Amon. We got a great show ahead, so buckle up and hang on. Here we go. Well, shalom, shalom, everybody. Welcome to this episode of Image Bearers Radio. I am your host, Joe Amon, coming to you all the way from southwest Louisiana, out of Ashes Ministries, and I hope you guys are doing marvelously well. Hope your week is going great, and I am excited to be back with you today for uh, this week's episode of Image Bearers Radio. So good. So, hey, thank you guys for joining us. Um, We have some exciting stuff to talk about today. And so just let me get the business part out of the way real quick. If it is your first time joining us, then please allow me to say welcome. And uh, so glad that you stopped in. As always, I just want to say how thankful we are to... um, uh, Rollin and the guys and gals over at Hebrew Nation for allowing us this opportunity uh, to be able to record and to uh, present uh, and just to be a part of the Hebrew Nation online uh, community. It's awesome. So thank you, uh, guys and gals, very, very much. And thank you for listening. Uh, if you I hope you find the conversation interesting. And uh, if you do, I'd like to invite you to stick around and come back next week uh, for another new episode. And then for all of you old timers, um, you guys that have stuck around or have hung around for the last few weeks, or uh, if, and if it's your second time back, you know, the only thing better than someone coming once is somebody coming back. So thank you guys, honestly uh, and sincerely, for being an awesome community and uh, for just allowing us to speak into your lives and help you along the journey and struggle with you and, uh, and be victorious with you. It's awesome. And I love this community. And I'm so, so very, very grateful. So uh, thank you. Thank you for joining us. And uh, what's coming up on the calendar, guys? Just kind of keeping everything uh, in check and making sure uh, that, you know, we're all on the same page here. Um, Hopefully you are counting the Omer. And uh, if you are, then uh, if you, you're, you're on the, the Jewish calendar, Hallel, Hallel 2 calendar, excuse me, uh, today is the 32nd day of the Omer, and that means that Shavuot is just right around the corner. And um, so if you are uh, local or online and uh, you're looking for someone to celebrate Shavuot with, we'd love to invite you. Um, we will be having our Shavuot celebration uh, Sunday, June the 5th. Uh, we will have a normal 10 o'clock service, 10 a.m., like we do on our normal Shabbat. And uh, then after that, uh, we will live stream that service, our kind of our Shavuot teaching and, and uh, service. And then after that, we are going to uh, have some family time together. We'll have some water slides out for the kids and some games and things uh, for them to do and to stay cool, hopefully, because it's already in the high 90s here in South Louisiana in May. Yikes. Um, but if you are local or within driving distance, we'd love for you to come celebrate Shavuot with us. And uh, we're just going to hang out as long as everybody wants to. We'll have food, of course, as always. Uh, but if you're online and uh, you can't get here, uh, then that's fine. Join us that Sunday, June the 
5th at 10 a.m. as we live stream that service. Uh, we will still have Shabbat service the week before. And by the way, uh, if you don't know, if you're new to the show, we do live stream our Shabbat services every single week at 10 a.m. Central Time. So would love for you to, to pop on and join us. Uh, you can find that on our website at outofashesministries.org uh, and Facebook and on YouTube as well. And uh, Facebook has a pretty active comment section when Facebook decides that it wants to work, which is not always all the time. But uh, regardless, we would love to have you and uh, hang out uh, with us. And I think you'll just really have a great, great time. And uh, I think, yeah, that's it, I think, for preliminaries and stuff. And uh, so let's go to the Father and let's pray. And then we'll get into this week's episode. Avinu Malkinu, our Father and King. We are so incredibly fortunate that you give us this opportunity to be together, to be with you, to talk about you, to wrestle with life's questions. And Father, I thank you for this community that you're creating. We do this all as an effort to bear your image better in the world around us. guys and gals. So uh, jumping into this week's episode, uh, if you've been following us, I uh, started a series a couple of weeks ago called Having God's Personality. And um, I love this idea of talking about God's personality because I have always, uh, it's always been relayed to me as like God's character, right? Um, which is cool. And I'm, I'm not real super sure. This may be a semantic thing. I don't know. Um, I'm not really super sure there's a massive big difference in character and personality. I'm sure there is. You character folks out there or you personality gurus out there can tell me if there's a you know big massive difference. But um, for me, and I'm just talking about for me, um, talking about God's character and having a godly character or having God's character, for me, for some reason, is always been something that's been very sterile. And I don't know why that is, but it's been very sterile and very um, mechanical. And uh, if you caught this last week's uh, Shabbat message, uh, I really kind of worked on this this idea a lot because, and we talk about it here often. But you know, we we are wired differently as human beings, and that's a good thing. Uh, that's part of the expressed image of God. But we are we are wired differently, and I find. Uh, while there are certainly, you know, um, there are exceptions to this rule. This is not a rule. This is my observation, in my opinion. But there's generally two large groups of people with with variations in either. Uh, one I tend to call the feelers, and the other I tend to call the thinkers. So we're talking about feelers and thinkers. I am a feeler, um, and I know a lot of people at OAM really, uh, and in this community, really, uh, you know, resonate with that idea of being a feeler. So what does it mean to be a feeler? Well, just real quick, um, feelers are generally pretty artistic. And I know like there's personality tests and all that stuff out there with the four different types or eight different types or 27 different types. I I know. Um, But just as a general base, 
Um, feelers tend to be people that are artistic, maybe a little less disciplined, harder with discipline, um, tend to be vision visionaries, uh, tend to be learned by audio or visual uh, audio visually. Um, and so tend to be maybe procrastinators a little bit. And the one big thing as it pertains to this conversation that I can express is that as a feeler, um, I have defined things in life or allowed things to be defined through emotion, right? And we'll talk about that a little bit more as we get into this episode. Thinkers, I'm married to a thinker. My lovely wife, Heather, she's a thinker. And, um, you know, I, she, I, I admire her so much because, you know, for me as a feeler, if I, if I am inspired and I feel like doing something, no matter how hard the project or how difficult the, you know, the, the thing to learn or whatever, I just throw myself in it to, to the point where I'm almost no good for anything else. I'm so focused on and dedicated to that thing. Uh, if I feel like it, right? <laughs> if I feel like it's worth it, if I'm motivated, if I'm not, a team of horses can't get me to, to invest in something, right? A project around the house or learning something new or whatever. My wife, on the other hand, is is pretty much the opposite of that in that she sees things that need to be done and she just does them <laughs> like it's the weirdest. It's been the coolest thing for me to watch over our almost 20 years of marriage. She just, you know, it doesn't matter how she feels. She cannot want to do it. It can be the last thing she wants to do. And she just does it. And the quality of her work or her learning or whatever doesn't change between what she wants to do and doesn't want to do as far as, and I mean that as a compliment in that if I don't want to do something and I'm forced to do it, I'm probably not going to do my best at it. But for her and for what I've noticed, people like her, the thinkers out there, you thinkers out there, you have such an ability to be consistent. And, uh, and, and I'm not saying that it's always easy, but there's something in you that you, you lead with your mind and you lead with your will where those of us that are feelers, we tend to lead with our emotions. And of course, I mean, like, I'm not an expert on this, guys, right? And uh, there's been books upon books and seminars and videos and stuff written about this. I way better explain it than I can and go way deeper into the weeds. But for a layman, um, talking to other folks that just want to know that somebody else is like them out there, that's, that, that's what I'm trying to communicate. So when we talk about the character of God, um, for, for me, it's always been, like I said, kind of sterile. And yet when I think about God having a personality, uh, that really, that really feels, and there I go, feel, uh, that really, uh, that seems much more dynamic to me and, and must much less cold and, and, you know, and almost just kind of, eh. um, personality is like, oh, well, wait, like I know God's character. You know, I mean, I know he's a God of love and I know the fruit of the spirit. I know, you know, all those things. But those are just like, wait, God has a personality? That means like he laughs and cries. I guess for me, like personality is the expression of your character, is the expression of your essence. Um, and so that expression is really important to me and really motivating and really encouraging and like just fascinating. I'm, I'm so curious about it that, you know, God, God, I love those times when Moshe and God are, are, are talking. There's two times I'm thinking of it was in particular in the Torah where at one point um, at the golden calf, right, Moses goes up and God says, I'm done. I'm done with them. I'm going to start over again with you. And Moses goes, now wait, what are the other, what is Egypt and what are the other nations going to think if you do that? They're going to think, oh, well, you're not big and, you know, you're not powerful enough to, 
you know, not only rescue these people, but to keep these people. And God goes, yeah, I guess you're right. Like, I just, I don't know if that's historically how it went down, and I really don't care. I love the way that that passage reads, because to me, that's God's personality. Like, him going like, yeah, okay, I, I, got, I was really upset, but I'm going to back down. It's so relatable. It's so human in a way. And, um, and I just think it's so cool. There's another instance where, where Moshe goes to Hashem and he says, I'm done with these people. I'm, these are your children. And, uh, you know, so, and, and God has to kind of talk him off the edge, right? And so they, Moshe and, and Hashem kind of, you know, like, they're your children. No, they're your kids. You're responsible. And I just love that back and forth because that's a real, for me, it's a real insight into God's personality. And, um, you know, the Psalms and the, and the, the Proverbs are full, the Psalms especially are full of, you know, things where, you know, God rejoices, God sings, God dances, you know, all these beautiful things. And before you think, oh, he goes getting all artsy fartsy with us, <laughs> it's not, that's not the case. But just to explore, um, the, that side of Hashem is, is something that, that I was never really, uh, introduced to and never, never really got to do, I guess, growing up. Um, and, and, you know, in all these years of, of my, my faith walk, that it was all about God's character and God is love. So I have to love and God is, you know, joy. So I have to be joyous and, you know, patient. I have to be patient and all, you know, through the fruit of the spirit, I have to force myself to be that. And that really, if you're not those things and you are a feeler, um, the pressure and the, uh, the have to of, having to be something you're not can really be tough and it really can, it really can wear on you and it can end up being kind of toxic and, and it can make you bitter, you know, to where like, well, I'm never going to get this right. I'm never going to get this right. So last week we talked about, um, just for instance, last week we talked about a week before last rather, excuse me. We talked about God and his, the, the personality, uh, trait of being holy, which you could argue is a character thing. Sure. I'm putting it in terms of personality because I like talking about it like that a little better. So the idea that God is is holy, he has a holy personality. So again, when I think about personality, I think about personality as what your essence, the, ex, the expression of your essence, everything that you are as it is expressed, right? What What the world sees, what creation sees. And so I think about God as holy, you know, because last week's Parsha, uh, or a week before last, rather, Kedoshim says, you you are going to be holy. You are holy because I am holy. And I don't know about you, but I've really struggled with that a lot. I've struggled my whole life with that idea because I know this verse. It's repeated in the in the Gospels, right? Um, I struggle with this idea because God says you are holy as I am holy or because I am holy, whatever that conjunction is. And I don't know about you guys, but I look at my life and I go like, I'm nothing like that. <laughs> I'm generally not patient. Um, I for sure don't love everybody in the in the sense that I I define love. Um, I you know I'm I'm try to be kind. I try to be gentle. Uh, I think kind I do pretty well on gentleness. I don't always. Uh, I mean, if you just go through the fruit of the spirit, right? It's uh, the you know the personality traits of God's presence, the spirit. And so I, I struggle with some of these things. And um, as I put myself up against them, and, and listen, I am the kind of person, hopefully you've, you know, you've been around long enough where you kind of know this about me by now, but even if, but if, you, if you don't, I'm going to inform you real quick. Um, I'm the kind of person that 
um, the, the majority of my anxiety over my life thus far has been created by the Bible saying this is what you should be or hearing a preacher or teacher or somebody reading a devotion and hearing it say this is what you are supposed to be in order to emulate God's character, you know, in order, in order to, to bear the fruit of the Spirit, whatever. Um, and then looking at myself in the mirror and realizing how far I am off from that, but wanting to please God so much that it creates an anxiety for me, you know, that like, well, why can I not get there? Why can I, and as hard as I work, I, I can't produce some of those things sometimes. And so it's, it, it can be really frustrating. And so in, in today's episode, I want to kind of talk about um, this, what we talked about this past Shabbat, which was love and loving kindness. So uh, the, the characteristics, the, the personality traits of, love and loving kindness, particularly loving kindness, but we're going to spend some time on love. And again, if you caught this week's Shabbat you know, episode, I'm sorry for repeating myself, but this was so, there's so many things that we talked about during that teaching that when they came out of my mouth, it was actually kind of the first time I ever heard them. <laughs> so many of you that watch will know I generally don't, um, I don't use notes uh, generally because I, I get, I just get caught up and uh, it's it's kind of like tripping over a you know a spool of yarn for me using notes sometimes. I just can't I can't get around them. Um, so a lot of the things that I that I I say are things that you and I are both hearing for the first time. I hope that doesn't scare you, or make you nervous. It kind of should make you nervous. But at any at any rate, this um, the the there's so many things that we talked about that I was just like wow. Um, this so it's just really profound for me. And so when we talk about God having a loving personality. Um, what are we talking about? Well, first of all, let's talk about some definitions. Yay, definitions. Uh, let's talk about some definitions because I think they're important. And the reason why definitions are important is because however you define a term, that definition ultimately creates an expectation, right? Um, this, is, this is something we really talked a lot about this last Shabbat. A definition of a term creates an expectation. So, as a feeler, from I know I have heard all my life, love is a verb, love is a verb, love is action. Love. I remember having this big, huge debate with my youth pastor when I was in high school, uh, saying that lo- lo- love is absolutely a feeling, period, full stop. And him going, you know, being the older, wiser, uh, going like, no, man, you're missing it. Love is a thing you do. I'm like, no, that's so cold and callous. There's no, you know, and uh, in my young 14, 15, 16 year old mind, you know, having it all figured out and knowing the answers to everything. Uh, So, but for me as a feeler, love has always been attached to emotion, no matter how I've tried to decouple those two things, right? I didn't, I didn't know what to replace it with, I guess. And so um, in doing some, some reading and some study last week on, on, on love and loving kindness, um, of course, most of us will know the, the Hebrew word for love is ahava, right? Ahava. And the three-letter root of that word is aleph, he, bet, which is ahav. And ahav, I, this is why I love Hebrew, guys, so much. And, and I'm not as nerdy at Hebrew as I wish I would be, but I'm, I'm working on it. I love Hebrew because in our in our culture, right, our modern culture, we tend to be very abstract, very very uh, ethereal. Um, so we say things like, "Well, um, I love God," and then a couple hours later, we go, "Man, I would really love some pizza," right? Or we tell our spouse, "We, you know, I love you," 
and then we go like, man, I loved that game that was on Sunday. You know, so we, so love kind of, if love is everything, love doesn't mean anything. So this, this idea of ahav, the base of the, the word uh, ahava in Hebrew, love, Hebrew is so tangible, and this word, the base just means to give, to be giving, right? So the base of the word love in Hebrew, ahav, means to give. See, that's what's so amazing about, about Hebrew, because if you ask 10, 10 you know, normal average Americans, um, what is love? We did it this last Shabbat, and you know, we got all kinds of different answers, which all of those can be right and are right, but they tend to be defined only one way or, or one way or the other. And so to understand that love to give, to be giving, gives me something to replace the emotional definition of love with, right? Because here's, here's how it works. If love is defined as, as a, a feeling or an affection even, um, which an affection is kind of a feeling, but kind of, you know, it, no matter how you define love, for me as a, as a feeler, and hopefully for some of you out there, um, you read, then you go to the scripture and you read verses like, love your neighbor as yourself, or love those, bless those, right, who persecute you and, you know, do all kinds of wrong towards you. And uh, that's hard. And listen, guys, I've been in, I've played the church game my whole life. I know what it is to do the whole like, oh, well, I do love my enemies. No, you don't. In the sense of, of the way we define love, like you don't have affection for your enemies, right? You don't have that love. In other words, the love that you feel towards your or that you have towards your spouse is not the same as you have towards your enemy. And yet that seems to be what the scriptures talk about over and over and over and over and over, right? So if we replace our definition, see, there's an expectation around our definition of love. And if you read things like love your enemies and do good to those who, you know, who hurt you spitefully, usually whatever the verse is, love your enemies. You go like, but I don't feel affection to my enemies. I don't feel affection to those people that have used me and abused me. I don't feel, I don't feel love. I don't, I can't even get my mind around what it means to love them in the way that I understand love because I don't. And I think too many times in, in faith circles, we hide those, those areas, those places in our lives where we naturally and from our personality, we, we differ with the scripture so much. We tend to mask and hide those things for the sake of community. And I get it, but just to be like super real and vulnerable, I think we've all had these conversations with ourselves like, man, I know this is what the Bible says, but I just really don't. And I mean, I personally, you know, I've been through some stuff in life, but I haven't been through near what some of you guys have. Um, you know, I think about those, I think about women out there who have been raped. I think about, you know, men and women or children, young children, boys and girls who have been abused, um, you know, sexually, whatever, mentally, emotionally. Um, I think about all the things that some folks have gone through. And then God, the Bible tells you to turn around and have affection for those people who, who, you know, who did these things to your enemies. See, that definition of love creates an expectation. And then when I read that and I just can't bring myself to do it, 
then now I have to deal with the, the feeling of guilt that like I failed God. I hope this is making sense. I hope this is speaking to somebody because I, this is like real good therapy for me. So I hope you guys are working through it with me. But I have carried so much shame and guilt because I, I can't please God by loving my enemies because I don't love them. I don't feel affection for them. I'm not, I don't desire to be around them. Like I just don't. And that working definition, see, creates an expectation, and that's wrong. That, that expectation and that definition is wrong. Can love be affectionate? Yeah, absolutely love can be affectionate. I mean, I hope love can be affectionate um, because then other than that, I don't, I don't know, you know what else we do with it. But when you replace that affection type of emotional definition of love with the idea of being giving – then it detaches you from having to feel anything. And so for those of you feelers out there, you can kind of breathe a sigh of of relief and go, well, I don't have to have a certain feeling about anything that what the scripture is really saying is being, be giving to those be, be giving and, and don't, don't withhold in spite just because somebody did you wrong. Don't, in other words, don't and don't enact revenge. Be giving instead, be giving of, of, of time, be giving of value maybe, be giving of encouragement. When you see them down, don't neglect them, that idea, right? And don't go like, well, if you wouldn't have messed me over, then you know maybe I'd help you. That's not it. It's about having a giving personality. That's what love actually is. All right, we'll see you on the other side of the break. Don't go away. Ladies and gentlemen, hey, welcome back to this second segment in this episode of Image Bearers Radio. So, uh, carrying on from last segment, talking about loving our enemies and you know, and loving your neighbor as yourself. Um, it's this. It's to to foster this attitude of giving, giving to your neighbors as you as much as you would give to yourself. Um, Self care is a big thing now, right? And it, and it should be. Self care is always you know always should should be a big deal. Um, but the idea that do we care for others as much as we you know care for ourselves, and and the idea of being given, even that word care, can be really abstract. So we're going to stick to this idea of being giving, right? Being giving. So that's one of the parts of this this episode that I want to talk about. The other the other part is um, let, before I move on, let me just say this, just because I know this comes up. Um, you go like, well, you know, how much do you give? There, you know, I don't want to be a doormat, right? And so, you know, there's a line between um, being giving and being used and manipulated. And the scriptures don't really cover that. I mean, I got to say, like, there's not a commandment like thou shall not be a doormat, right? Or thou shall not be manipulated. And it talks about manipulation. But as far as we're concerned, this is why it's so important. And, and hear me part of my part of the the most exciting things that I'd like to teach and what drives me to teach the way that I do is that I am focused on the in inner inward person right the 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 the, the person I don't I, I'm not going to police and I can't control what anybody does you know out there 
in your in your everyday life. That's not for me to do. I don't want to do it. I don't have the time or the energy to do that. Um, so what you do with who you are is up to you, between you and God. I, as a as a teacher, as a facilitator, as an encourager, I want to focus you to be as strongly um, and 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 as as wittingly you as you possibly can be, and what that means. So, you know. Um, there, there are always people that would like to use you and, and like to manipulate you, right? That's just a part of life. And as a, as having a giving personality, emulating God's personality, that's even going to be more of a thing where people are going to, you know, that's just the way people are guys, just the way humanity is sadly enough that we have givers and takers and, you know, get, takers usually find givers and that's just the way that it is. But you have to know your own boundaries enough to know, like, yeah, I have a giving attitude. I have a giving personality toward people. Um, but there comes a time where I have to say, okay, that's enough for now. It doesn't mean that I've cut people off. But if people get mad that I've said no, that's on them. As long as I have fulfilled what I know I need to do to, to emulate God's givingness, right, as much as I humanly can, then I, I don't, I mean, even Yeshua had to go like, hey, guys, got to take a break, going up the mountain to pray, you guys hang out down here. I'll be back, right? Or meet me on the other side of the of the of Galil or whatever. You know, even Yeshua had to, had boundaries, and and we all it, it's good for humans to have boundaries. So when I say having a giving personality, especially giving, you know, giving towards our enemies is actually probably harder than having some kind of affection towards them or whatever. You know, some kind of positive uh, feeling or emotion towards them. Uh, it may be harder. Than, than actually the first way, but you have to know you and you have to know your boundaries and you have to have settled this stuff with God and go like, okay, I have a propensity to be used and to be manipulated because I'm such a deep lover. I'm such a deep, you know, a, approval, you know, I need approval. And so I want to take care of people or whatever the case may be. And you have to know those boundaries to go like, okay, here's too far. It's getting toxic and weird, Right. And you have to be at peace with those 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 areas and those kinds of things. That's work that you have to do. No teacher or preacher or book or author or whatever can tell you that. You have to do this work with Hashem. And, and just hopefully changing some of these mindsets is, and changing some of these definitions is going to help you take something different to prayer and go, okay, you know, okay, Hashem, what about this? How, how do you know, how do I handle this? Grow me in this understanding. So, the, the second part of what I wanted to talk about goes kind of hand in hand with this, and that's the, the word chesed, right? Um, chesed, we've heard chesed, we know what, you know, we think we know what chesed means, and we do. It's translated in, uh, in our, most of our Bibles as uh, loving kindness uh, or, you know, uh, loving loyalty. Some translations say it's got a, different, different, a bunch of different definitions, but there's... Uh, there's a term that I came across a while back, and then I revisited this last couple weeks. And I think the first person I ever heard it from was Dr. Michael Heiser. And then I know that uh, Matthew Bates has written another book or two kind of around the same idea, but he talks about it as allegiance, which I like. Um, but Dr. Heiser talks about chesed. Now, we talk about chesed. What is that? So our Bible's translated as loving kindness, okay? So let's talk about some of the challenges with that idea. Um, the idea of loving kindness, and, and all of these definitions have their challenges, right? Don't, like, I'm not thinking like, oh, well, I changed 
the definition of love from affection, or I broadened it rather, from affection to giving. Now it's all solved. Now everybody can love everybody. Now I know there are always going to be challenges, um, you know, on in, in either in either of those ways. But as a thinker to my other thinker friends, I want to uh, uh, not thinker, sorry, feeler to my other feeler friends. I want to you know kind of help us. Uh, with some of the things that we struggle with. And at some point, I'll have a thinking guest on here, and we can work through some of these for you thinkers. For now, you guys just pray for us uh, because we need your prayers very desperately. <laughs> if you live with a feeler and you're like, oh, boy, I know all about that. So um, so this idea, there's some challenges with the idea of loving kindness, right? Again, you have that loving part in there. And to show chesed, to show loving kindness to someone me for me again as a feeler gives this implication that like well i have to have this certain emotion towards these people or this at least this certain affection you know or whatever we've used that word a lot but i have to have this certain you know this certain feeling towards these people and in order to for my kindness to be genuine right it can't just be kindness it has to be loving kindness <sighs> And that creates all kind of issues, <laughs> or can create all kind of issues. So like, man, I have to not only be kind, but I have to really enjoy doing it. You know what I mean? I have to, I have to really like, I have to feel it. I have to be all in there. And you guys know, for some people, it's hard. It's hard to feel kind. Like I do it. You know, we do it. We're kind. We're kind out of just, if, especially like if you're from the South, and I know other parts of the country, but I'm from the South, so that's that's the what I'll use. But if you're from the South, man, and you're not, you know, you don't exhibit kindness. It says something not only about your your uh, your personal character, but it says something about your upbringing. It says a, a, something about your faith and the church you grew up in, and the, you know the way you you believe God. I mean, kindness is a big deal. Uh, courtesy, you know, down down in these here parts. Um, but it it also can be very snide as well. You know, it can be like, oh, well, yeah, I'm kind in public, but I really, you know, when you walk away, I'm shooting daggers in your back. You know what I mean? It can be that way, too. So this idea of loving kindness. Dr. Heiser, again, the first the, the first person I heard use this term, he defines chesed as believing loyalty. Believing loyalty. Now, that's really interesting. And I know you may go like, wait, 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 what? Wait, say that again. Believing loyalty. So if we if we look at and think about some of the places where this is used in scripture then that may be a good way to kind of illustrate um illustrate so much by the way talking about love the verse that we all know so well right we we all know in our sleep John 3:16 right for god so loved that he gave it's not that it's not that his love caused him to give it's that's what love is love is the noun verb uh, give is the verb right for god you could you could change it you know you could expand it i hate using the word change because people get all all nutty on me you could expand it and you could say for god was so giving towards the world that he gave his only son i mean he wasn't just like giving a little bit of stuff he gave it all right and and so where you have this separation almost between God loved and so he gave, because love motivated him to give. No, I think it's much simpler than that. I think that the love is is giving. God was so giving to the world. 
it's not, you know, it's not, I know we like to think maybe sometimes of God like kicked up in heaven on his throne with a picture of us or a picture of humanity or a picture of the world holding in his hands. And he's just all rosy cheeked and just like overcome with emotion about how much he loves the world. And one day he said, you know what? That's it. I'm giving my only son. I can't take it anymore. No, he was so giving towards the world that he gave everything. He wasn't just a stingy giver, right? We all maybe know those, or some of us might be those, but that's, that's not between, that's not, that's not my business. <laughs> but God was so giving towards the world that he gave everything. He gave his most prized and precious possession, Yeshua, the son, right? So let's look at a couple of uh, instances where this chesed is used, and let's talk about how thinking about it in an expanded way can help us to maybe see it a little bit differently and then and thereby create a new expectation and then hopefully we can fold that back into an application into our lives. All right, so the first one we're going to look at is in Shemot 15, Exodus chapter 15 and verse 13. So as we talk about love and ahava and and chesed, love and loving kindness, um love is not only a verb and action, but it's a commitment, right? Um, so this is really going to fold into, as we start to talk about, uh, Shemot 15, 13. So it says you in your loving kindness, and this is the tree of life version, um, chesed, you in your loving kindness led the people you have redeemed. You guided them in your strength to your holy habitation. So you in your loving kindness, right? Um, this again, this is just me. This is the way I kind of filter this term and think about it. When I read this, I think like, oh, well, there were some poor old slaves that couldn't do anything for themselves and they were dying in their bondage. And so God looked down on them and had empathy for them and went like, oh, bless your heart. Like, come on, I'm going to redeem you. And then like led them out and led them to his sanctuary, which you know what, it's probably partly right. However, if I am going to to apply this same personality trait and, and work this into my personality, develop this in my personality, then what happens if I don't feel empathy for those people, right? If I don't feel empathy for someone, then I can't show them loving kindness. Then I'm failing the chesed, um, you know, attribute, and I'm not pleasing God, and that bothers me. So let's instead insert believing loyalty, and we'll use Matthew Bates's definition of allegiance. And let's reread this verse with those. So verse 13, you in your believing loyalty led the people you have redeemed. You guided them to, in your strength to your holy habitation. And then let's read it with allegiance. You in your allegiance led the people you have redeemed. Wow. I don't. For, for you guys, you might be like, yeah, okay, whatever. It's the same thing. For me, this is mind-blowing. This is unbelievable. So I guess some of this comes, and we'll just take a, a couple of minutes here. Some of this comes from the way that some of us were raised, the faith we were raised with, which is, you know, we've talked about it before, this idea that you're a sin, sinful person, you, you know, you're, you're not worth anything, you need Jesus. Now you have Jesus. You're still not worth anything. God just kind of deals with you because of Jesus, right? 
um, you know, those, those, those sermons and those teachings that, you know, when, when God looks at you, he sees Jesus. Well, but I want God to see me and be pleased with me. Like, I'm thankful for Yeshua, and I'm thankful for his imputation of righteousness, holiness, right? All those things. And yet, I like, is it what I hear when I hear things like that is like, God can't stand the sight of you. So he needs to see Jesus in order to even kind of care about you and, and want to continue to be faithful to you, right? I know that might be toxic and it might be because I'm damaged, but you know what? A lot of, a lot of you guys are damaged out there too. So hopefully you understand where I'm coming from and you felt the same way or, or, or understood. And if not, then it's, it's my therapy. Why not? Thank you guys for coming along with the ride. All right. So, but listen to this, you in your believing loyalty, led the people out of that, that you redeemed. So believing loyalty, that means that God is loyal to us because he believes in us. He, he was loyal to the covenant of Abraham with the children of Israel. He was loyal to that covenant and he believed in Abraham's seed, who are the people of Israel who he redeemed and led to his holy sanctuary. That's unbelievable. I mean, aren't you glad that God acts by action instead of feeling? Like, it'd be great if God was sitting up, you know, in the throne, kind of kicked back with a picture of me, and he was just overcome with emotion. That's great. That's beautiful. I love that picture. However, that doesn't do me much good whenever I need to be rescued, redeemed, you know, restored, healed, led, all those different things. When I need direction, that doesn't help. I want him to be a God of action. I need him to be a God of action, not a God of affection and emotion. Affection and emotion are good, but only if they lead to something I can tangibly hold or I can sense or I can grab a hold of, and that is action. And so it's not only that God you know, feels for us and is affectionate towards us, but he has believing loyalty towards us. He is loyal to us because he believes in us. Now, this is so radical for me because in my mind, it's always that I have to believe. I have to be faithful. I have to be loyal. And I know, yeah, because God is faithful. Yeah, 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 I know. But I'm the one that has to do the loyalty, and I have to do the faithfulness because that his loyalty is a given. His faithfulness is a given, right? But the idea that he continues to be loyal because he continues to believe in me. I don't have to be faithful because God once was faithful. It's because he is still faithful. And I know this is simple, and I, I've heard this type of stuff my whole life, but it, it does something different to me, as the kids say. It hits different whenever it's this idea of believing loyalty. And then we use the word allegiance, that, that you, in verse 13, you and your allegiance led the people. Allegiance to what? Allegiance to the covenant with Abraham. And allegiance to the very people that he's leaving, that he's leading, excuse me, out of Egypt themselves. He's going to stand in allegiance to them. And this is part of what, what Moses and Yeshem go back and forth about, right? Throughout their journey, that God is like, no, Moshe, I have an allegiance to these people. My chesed, my loving kindness, my allegiance. I think that's absolutely fascinating. All right, so let's look at another verse. This next one is going to be in Devarim, uh, in Deuteronomy, and we're going to be in chapter 7, and we're going to read a few verses here uh, in chapter 7 of Deuteronomy. So let me just get there real quick. Deuteronomy chapter 7. We're going to read verses 6 through 9. 
So it begins, For you are a holy people to Adonai your God. From all the peoples of the face of the earth, Adonai your God has chosen you to be his treasured people. It is not, verse 7, because you are more numerous than all the peoples that Adonai set his love on you and chose you, for you are the least of all people. Verse 8, rather because of his love or his chesed, loving kindness for you, let's replace it, because of his believing loyalty or because of his allegiance to you and his keeping the oath, which is really we're just repeating what we just said, keeping the oath he swore to your fathers, right? He's loyal and he's allegiant to the oath. Adonai brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Know therefore that Adonai your God, he is God, the faithful God who keeps a covenant kindness for a thousand generations, or a covenant loyalty or a covenant allegiance for a thousand generations with those who love him, who are, who have believing loyalty towards him and who are allegiant toward him and keep his mitzvot. Let's keep going. Verse 10. But he repays those who hate him. Well, love and hate, again, are, can be accompanied by emotion. Love can be com- accompanied by affection. Hate can be accompanied by feelings of disdain and, you know, and, all, and anger and whatever. But whenever the Bible talks about love and hate, it's talking about a loyalty and disloyalty or allegiance and a lack of allegiance, right? So let's read it this way. Verse 10. But he repays those who are not allegiant to him to their face to annihilate them. He will not hesitate with him who is not loyal to him, but will repay him to his face. Well, that's an interesting take on that because it's easy to read this as those who hate him are the unbelievers, right? Those who hate him, well, obviously, the people that don't believe in God, he's going to repay them. But wait, 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 wait. Wait. We're talking about an allegiance relationship, a loyalty, a faithful relationship. How can, how can, God, um, how can God criticize and punish someone for n- not being faithful to something they never agreed to? Does that make sense? I hope so. It made sense when I said it or when I heard it in my mind. In other words... God's saying, for those of you who know me and who have agreed to be loyal to me, I will bless you for thousands of generations, right? However, those of you who had the opportunity to be loyal to me and have chosen not to be, outright chose, you're my people who are rescued, but you've chosen not to be, then see, like the nations he's talking about here, the Canaanites, they never had an agreement as far as we know. They never had a covenant. How is he going to hate on somebody who never agreed, who he never struck up a deal with, right? Who he never made a covenant with? It just doesn't make any sense. So this is for in the community, right? And I think that's amazing. And so the, reading these a little bit differently can just add so much value to the way we understand them. Okay, and then the last uh, verse I want to look at is in Micah. We all know this one, but we're looking at Micah chapter 6 and verse 8. This is real simple, and this kind of... We've talked about how God is, uh, is, is giving towards us and his love. He is giving and how he has believing loyalty or allegiance to us. 
And guys, I, you know, if you struggle with any of uh, any rejection, if you struggle with insecurity, and you know those kinds of things, anxiety. I hope these words are are healing for you, or at least a beginning part of the healing journey. That God, the Creator of the universe, right, the the Alpha and Omega, right, is is allegiant. He has an allegiance to you. Because I, I know, yeah, we can. He's faithful. We know that. But but faithful, that word gets used so much, it almost doesn't mean anything anymore. So if we have to trick ourselves by replacing a similar word, let's do it, right? Because we need to understand. We need to understand that God has an allegiance towards us, and he, is, he has believing loyalty. He believes in us, and he is loyal to that belief. So the last passage, right, in Micah, now we're going to kind of turn outwards a little bit, and I want to address uh, how we live with each other. So verse 8 of Micah chapter 6 says, He has told you, humanity, I love the way it translates that, uh, what is good and what Adonai is seeking from you. Only to practice justice, to love mercy, that word mercy is chesed, (laughs) and to walk humbly with your God. So practice justice, be right with everybody. And number two, to love believing loyalty or to love allegiance and to walk humbly with your God. To love allegiance. Now, this is most likely primarily love allegiance, love, believe loyalty, love mercy to God, right? But God doesn't need our mercy. That's, I don't like the way that's translated. But when we talk about to other people, oh, okay, then that, then that, there you go. Then love mercy, love being merciful to other people. Mercy is one of the facets of chesed. But in order to be merciful, you have to first have had a commitment and you have to have a mindset of believing loyalty of allegiance. So let's talk about in, in the community. It's easy sometimes, and maybe sometimes it's harder to have believing loyalty and chesed and, and allegiance to those people you walk with every day because you know them so well. But even to those who are not in the faith, there's still humanity, and Genesis tells us they're still the image bearers of God. And so while you not might may not feel an emotion, feel an affection towards them, you can bypass your need for feeling an emotion and just go like, no, it's my duty to be to believe that they are the image of God and to be loyal to them. All right, guys, that's it for this week. Until next week, shalom, shalom. Shalom.